So this morning, we're going to kick off what we're going to be talking about over the season of Lent during our weekend sermon series called the Red Letter Challenge. So you said, well, what is the Red Letter Challenge? Well, uh, first of all, it is this. Uh, Some of you during Lent might say something like, well, I'm going to give up something like chocolate or coffee or caffeine, soda for Lent. What we want to encourage you to do is not to give something up, but actually to take something on during this season of Lent. And what we want you to take on is this red letter challenge. And there's a couple of ways to go about this. One of the ways that uh, we've encouraged you to go about this is to get this book. It's called The Red Letter Challenge, written by a, a Lutheran pastor down in Florida. And uh, it is a 40-day journey through the red letters of Scripture. And uh, what the red letters are, because some of you said, what are even the red letters? The red letters are this. Uh, my, my Bible that I preach out of doesn't have this, but when my wife and I got married, my wife bought for me a brand new Bible. In fact, uh, I remembered that only because I looked at the front cover. It's great, right? She's not here this morning. She's sick. Don't tell her, Okay. And in the front cover, it says June 23rd, 2001. I'm like, oh, that's my wedding day. So, so this was my wedding present. And uh, in the Gospels, if you open to the Gospels and have a Bible like this, you will notice that there are some words that are in black and some that are in red. The ones that are in red are the words of Jesus. So you can find it in a couple other places. The book of Revelation has some of them. Um, there is one line in the middle of the book of Acts that you'll find, red letters, uh, which we'll reference near the end of our message this morning. But uh, that's the red letters. So, so if you haven't picked up the book, which you can still pick up or order on Amazon and walk through this, uh, our encouragement is pick a gospel. And just spend time every day in that gospel reading the red letters, the words of Jesus. And if you're like, well, which gospel should I even start in? My encouragement to you is read the gospel of John. Because the gospel of John is a beautiful gospel that in picture language describes who Jesus is. In fact, it's built around these I am statements. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the resurrection of the life. And he paints a picture of who he is. And so we want you to be in the Word of God each and every day during the season of Lent. We'll get back to that in a minute. But as we introduce what this red letter challenge is this morning, I want to start by asking this question of you. Have you ever had the greatest of all intentions and then totally missed the mark? You ever had that happen? You have the greatest intentions and totally missed the mark? Uh, there was a time I remember, many times I remember doing it, but one that really comes to mind, and the one that comes to mind is, is a few years ago, um, on my day off, Fridays are my day off, and my wife uh, doesn't do her stay-at-home job on, on Fridays as well, so, so we have that day together, and, and oftentimes what we do on our day off together is, is we schedule things that we need to get done, vet appointments, car appointments, doctor appointments, you know, those things that you, that you have to finish. Well, we looked at our calendar on that particular Thursday, and we said, you know what? We literally have nothing on our calendar tomorrow. Nothing. Have you ever had that experience where you look at your calendar and like, this is, there's nothing? Isn't that an amazing day, right? And so I remember my wife saying to me, man, I cannot wait to spend the day together with nothing. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. So we go to bed, and I wake up in the morning, and 
allow uh, Delina to sleep in and get the kids off to school and come home and I'm like, I am going to nail the list today. You know what the list is? If you're a guy and you're married, you know what the list is, right? I'm like, I am gonna nail the list. And so, so my wife is still sleeping and I get up and I'm outside and I'm raking and I'm taking care of the branches and I'm cleaning things up and I'm organizing the garage and I come inside. And for once I finally did the dishes and put them away. I know my wife was completely marveled by the concept that I could do that. And then I vacuumed and I cleaned bathrooms and I did all of the cleaning. And then I sat down around 2.30, right before we have to pick the kids up, and I am looking outside through the window, and I'm looking at the clean house, and I'm going, man, I nailed it. And my wife sat down and goes, that was great, except I really wish we could have spent time together. Close. So close. And so far away. I mean, I listened, but I didn't really listen. Today I want to talk about how do we listen to, and what does it mean to truly listen to the words of Jesus? That's what we're going to be doing over these next 40 days. But if we're going to really listen to them, what does that mean? Jesus speaks to that in our gospel reading for today, Matthew chapter 7. If you want to follow along, you can find it on page 812 in the Bibles in front of you. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24. To understand this, though, if you're turning to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, you need to page a few pages back to where Jesus began his sermon because this is actually the conclusion to a longer sermon that Jesus speaks, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the longest recorded sermon of Jesus in the scriptures. As he speaks this sermon, the sermon that is called in the scriptures, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins by, in chapter 5, speaking the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the merciful. And after that, if you page through and you just look at the topics that Jesus is speaking to, he talks about what does it mean to be salt and light? Why should we not show anger? What does it mean that, that we live holy lives by not lusting after others? What does God feel about divorce and oaths and retaliation? How do we love our enemies? He teaches the Lord's Prayer and, and talks about being generous and laying up treasures in heaven, not being anxious and not judging others and, and treating others in a way that we ought to treat uh, the people of God and, and, and bearing good fruit. And as he's speaking to all of this, he concludes this Sermon on the Mount with a very simple sermon illustration that brings it all together. And he says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine but does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. It great was the fall of it. Let me ask you this. As Jesus is speaking these words, does he say that there is any difference between the size of the houses they built? Not really, right? That's not the point. Does he say that there's any difference in where they built their house in terms of, of in Jerusalem, in, in Bethlehem, or somewhere? No, right? There's only one difference mentioned. What is the one difference that's mentioned? 
It's foundation, right? It's the foundation. He says one built it on the rock and the other built it on sand. And what Jesus is saying here is that if you want your house to stand the test of time, put the right material into the foundation. I mean, it's just wise for even if you're just building a house, right? You want the right material in the foundation because if you want your house to last, the foundation has to be right. It's a simple principle. The foundation determines the future. Your foundation determines your future because the truth is, and Jesus speaks to this, that there will be hurricanes and tornadoes and and struggles and brokenness that will enter into your life and it will test your house. And your house may shake, it may rattle, there may be struggles, there could be branches all over the yard, but if you want your house to stand up underneath all of that pain and all of those storms, then you need to have a foundation that is stronger than anything this world can offer to you. And it's what Jesus speaks to. And he says, says, there are two things that are built into the foundation. Do you see those two things he says that are built into the foundation so it can last? It's in verse 24. The two things are this. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and everyone who does them. To hear them and then do them. I think for us as Christians, especially in our American culture, there are two things that cause us to struggle with that. The first one is that, that oftentimes uh, we like a consumeristic Christianity. What I mean by that is this. Uh, one of my favorite types of restaurants that I love to go to are restaurants with an all-you-can-eat buffet. Any of you like all-you-can-eat buffets? Some of you are like, I don't want to admit it, but yes. All right. Now, the reason I love all-you-can-eat buffets is not because of the all-you-can-eat part, although that is a wonderful added benefit. I love all-you-can-eat buffets because when I take my plate up there, I get to pick and choose what goes on my plate, right? I can walk through the line and go, yep, I'll have some of that, and I'll have some of that. That's got onions in it, so that's not coming anywhere near my plate. But this is the meat line, so there's a little bit of everything going on the plate in the meat line, right? And not only can I choose what goes on my plate, I can choose how much of what I want goes on my plate. So I'll just take a little bit of that, but I'm gonna take a whole lot of this. And there are times where we as Christians treat God's word as a buffet. Oh yeah, I love what you're saying there, Jesus. Yeah, just, just add more of that, pile that on top of my plate. I'll take as much of that as you're offering. But Jesus, I really don't like what you're saying there. I really don't want that. You know, that part where you tell me to be generous, that, that part where you tell me to love my enemies, that part where you, you tell me to show mercy to those who are not mercy. Like, I, no, like, uh, I'm not putting that on my plate, but I'll put all of this other stuff on it. And we treat God's word as if it's a buffet and we can pick and choose it. But Jesus doesn't say that those who hear and then choose what they like. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, who hear all of my words and do them. The second struggle we have is we enjoy a comfortable Christianity. One of my children's uh, favorite toys to play with are Legos. And so uh, when I was thinking about this, this comfortable Christianity, uh, this image of Legos came to mind. 
which I was telling uh, Pastor Clad, I go, I go, one of the things I love about being a pastor is when you come up with a sermon illustration that's fun, uh, you actually get to go out and have that fun. So I got to play with Legos to prepare for today. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, this is uh, the Lego of, of a Marvel character. This is Thanos. And uh, I was putting him together in my office. And when I opened up the instruction manual to put Thanos together, I realized that there were 76 steps in this little box. <laughs> like 76 steps, I thought this would be like a 12-step project. 76 steps. And so I started putting them together and every once in a while I get a piece wrong. And what do you do when you get a piece wrong? Just ignore it and keep going, right? No, no, you go back and fix it because you're never gonna get it perfect. Sometimes you mess up a little bit, but you go back, you fix it, and then you start building it and keep building it. And I followed all 76 steps perfectly. And after finishing all 76 steps perfectly, I built, well, almost now fell apart, but until that moment, I built Thanos perfectly because I followed every step along the way. I listened to the instructions. And the cool part is, is that after I got done, I looked at Thanos and I looked at the box and I said, you know what? It looks the same. Do you know why it looks the same? Because I followed the creator in what I was supposed to do. Because he, he knew how to put it together because he had put it together before I had. And so if I wanted to know how it was supposed to be put together, follow the one who put it together. Then I got another box. This one's Iron Man. This one I took out and I looked in the instructions and this is why I decided not to do this one. It had 88 steps. So instead, I left all of them in their bags. What if that's all I ever did? It was just left it in the bags. Or what if I decided, you know what, 86 steps, that's way too much. You know what, let's just, let's just do two-thirds of it. I'm just going to do bags one and two. Is that going to end up looking like it's supposed to, just picking and choosing bags one and two? No. What if it said 88 steps? That's way too much work. That is way too difficult to do. So I just read through the manual, said, man, that looks amazing, and then put it away. Does that accomplish anything? No. I think there's some times where we read through God's word and it's like reading through this and we go, man, that sounds great, but that is too difficult and we just put it away because we don't want to do it. And what God is saying to you is this, he goes, he goes, if you want your life to look like the life that I want for you, then maybe you should go to the one who put your life together and he will show you what your life could look like if you would follow me because I know how to put it together. I know what it is supposed to look like. And some of us are really good at hearing what God is saying, but we struggle with doing it. We are all pro Bible study goers and worship service sermon listening tours, right? We listen to the sermon and we go to the Bible studies and we hear what's being said and we go, man, that was great and I agree with all of it, but do nothing about it. Does Jesus say in his word, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and agrees with them will be like the wise man. No. 
Right? It's like telling your child, I want you to go and clean your bedroom. I've used this before, but, but go and clean your bedroom. And so your child goes upstairs and then they come back downstairs and said, hey dad, I, I did a Bible study on the fourth commandment and what it means to you, honor your father and mother. And then I looked to my room and I agree, my room is a mess. And then I watched a YouTube video on how to best organize your room. Just wanted to let you know that's what I did. What do you do as a dad in that moment? Do you go, oh, great job. I'm so, so proud of you. That is exactly what I was looking for. No, you go, get upstairs and do it, right? Like clean your room. God is saying here, he says, look, I'm doing this not because I get something out of this. It's not like if you hear my words and do them, then I feel better about myself. What I want for you is I want the life that I created for you I want the best life for you. He's saying to you, you don't earn anything with me by doing my words. You are not saved by accomplishing what I have called you to do. You are saved only by what I have accomplished on your behalf. You are saved only by the grace of God, not by works. And yet he reminds us that those who are saved by the grace of God will respond by doing the works that he has called us to do. So many of us want the life that Jesus has for us without being willing to radically change our lifestyle to reflect the life that God wants for us. He says, you want my life, then you may need to radically rechange your life. To not just listen, but to truly listen. And then to do the things I have called you to do. Not to be so close and yet so far away. But to embrace fully what God wants for you. And so we see this movement in this text. Hear, believe, live. Go on and live that life that I want for you. So over these next five weeks, we're going to talk about, well, what does that mean? What, what are those things that God calls us to live? In the 2004 Athens Olympics, there was a sharpshooter named Matt Emmons. He was considered one of the greatest sharpshooters, not just of his generation, to ever have lived. And he, go, he went into the 2004 Athens Olympics, just the heavy favorite. Basically, everybody else was shooting for the silver. Matt Emmons was the only one who was going to win the gold. And in the first rounds, he was in first by far. In fact, coming into the finals, all he needed was a 7.3, and his lowest score had been a 9.2. And that's how good he was. He had pretty much wrapped up the gold. And sharpshooters, I didn't know this, but as I was looking at the story and reading it, they have actually learned to calm themselves so much that they actually shoot in between heartbeats. I never knew that because it's millimeters that cause you to win or lose in the Olympics. And so, so they take every advantage of one is to calm yourself so you can take your shot between heartbeats. So he lines up the shot. He looks dead on at the bullseye. He shoots and he hits it in the wrong lane, at the wrong target, and gets a zero. And he drops from first place to eighth place. No medal, because he hit the wrong target. Do you know if you shoot for the wrong target, you will never hit the right one? You won't. So what are the right targets that God wants for our life? Over these five weeks, as we read the red letters, we're going to encourage you to think about the, these five targets. The first target is being 
All of these being found in the red letters, the words of Jesus. So as we look at these, you're not gonna hear Pastor Klatt's words or my words. You're gonna hear Jesus' words on what he's saying. Being. It's the picture of if, if we wanna be able to do what God calls us to do, the first thing we need to do is to be with him. To spend time at his feet listening to him like the story of Mary and Martha. To not be so busy with everything else in our life, but to be where he is in his words so we would know the God who loves us and who has put us together. The second target is forgiving. That we would understand this is the greatest thing that you and I could ever have and receive in our life is the forgiveness that God gives to us. And as he gives us this forgiveness, he calls us to show this forgiveness. The third target is serving. Motivated by his grace, we are called to be salt and light. We are called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, that we are called to go out and actually to serve the people who are around us, to, as we looked at in our past sermon series, to show mercy, living mercy in our life. The fourth week, we're gonna talk about giving. I know some of you are like, all right, so that's four weekends from now, so uh, mark that down on the calendar to skip that weekend because we don't always like to talk about generosity, but do you know that in the red letters, the words of Jesus, that besides the kingdom of God, Jesus doesn't talk about any topic more than he talks about money and giving. Kingdom of God first, generosity is second in the red letters, in the amount of time Jesus spends on it. Jesus himself said in the book of Acts, it is more blessed to give than receive. So we're going to take a look at that. What does that mean that we live a life of generosity as we give according to what God has blessed us with? And in the last week, we're going to talk about going. If you think about some of the last of the red letters that Jesus spoke, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus' final red letter is in that gospel. He said to his disciples, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations going. What does that look like for us to go? And so as we spend time in the red letters, as we spend time, uh, whether it is uh, studying the red letters in God's word, or if you have this book to study the red letters in this book, and in fact, the reason that uh, we encourage you to this book is because the red letters are actually in here. If you're going through this, you'll actually see that, that scripture is quoted in here constantly, the words of Jesus. So it's a great way to go through this. But our goal is as you go through this, the two things would happen. The number one, you would be drawn deeper into God's word because the more that God's word is in you, the more you are able to understand what God's word is doing in you and through you. So that the second thing we want out of this is that God would continue to radically realign our life with his life. That we would be radically realigned to the life that Jesus gives us. So we want to encourage you to go through those red letters and as we go through them to ask these two questions. The first one is this. What does this say about who Jesus is? So as you read that passage, what does it say about Jesus? The second question is, what does it say about what Jesus wants for my life? To hear and to do it. In fact, uh, Christine Young, our director of student ministries here at Grace, created a sheet just like this. There are about 100 of these, first come, first serve, that are over by the 144 uh, envelope table by the Welcome Center. And uh, this, uh, this is a chart of 40 days, starting on March 1st, 
all the way through April 11th, day 40. And if you're gonna use scripture instead of the book, um, it gives you an example of what it might be to read through the red letters of Jesus. It's a wonderful tool, maybe to use with your family or just to use for yourself, but to spend a few moments each day reading the red letters and as you do that, to see how God is drawing you deeper and deeper into his word to radically realign your life so that we might return to the one who created us so that we might look exactly like he wants us to look. Because the more time we spend in his word, the more radically our life will begin to reflect the life that he wants for us as we hear and do what he has called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.